We hear all the time about things that 1% do. Here's a question. Do they borrow money like you and I do? Turns out they do, but with a catch. We'll tackle borrowing money like you're wealthy with thought leader Josh Dorkin on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Joshua Dorkin, coming in from Denver, Colorado. You're only in Denver, Colorado for a couple more days before you're going to be in uh, in London. We could have done this live from, from, the, from across the pond. We could have, but then, you know, thank you so much, by the way, for telling everybody that I'm out of town so they know that, <laughs> you know, the house is occupied by my nephew and the others. Thank but, you, you everybody know. for bringing go. Thank you, go. Josh, for bringing up the, all that extra stuff. We could have just let it go, but now Josh is like, hey, come. Uh, well, we, we know there's people there. We know. Uh, uh, where are we at? Oh, yeah. This is the show we do live, by the way, where we not only read the headlines from Top Financial Press, we also comment on them and give you tips that'll help you manage your money more wisely six days a week. Big thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. I love Rocket Dollar because Rocket Dollar account holders have the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose through Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA or solo 401k, make investments directly into real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, and everything else allowed by the IRS. Get $100 off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com slash MWF. That's rocketdollar.com slash MWF. Big thanks to them. And as you know from your time with uh, this little tiny company called Bigger Pockets, that uh, doing real estate in an IRA can be ugly. So work with somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I brought this to the table because I was a little surprised, Josh, I have to say, about how the 1%, I always, well, you know, you never hear about the 1% borrowing money. Turns out that they do, but they might not borrow the same way we do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Let's get into this. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see who's going to help us kick off today's show. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. This one comes to us from Barron's, written by Al Root. Uh, Al's headline reads, America's 1% borrow money too. Here's what the rich are paying for with loans. The rich borrow money too, so says the Federal Reserve in a blog post published early in November. The oft-talked-about 1% hold almost 5% of total personal debt in America, more than their fair share, according to Federal Reserve Economic Data, or FRED as it's called. That might seem counterintuitive. Why would the rich need to borrow money? After all, they're wealthy. A couple of reasons are obvious from the data. A couple aren't. What's more, some of the implications from rich American uh, borrowing patterns are worth considering for everyone else. All right. Poor households are less likely to own a home, according to the Fed. That's no surprise. Households in the bottom half of wealth hold about 36% of home mortgages. The top 1% hold more than 4% of all residential mortgage debt in America. Mortgages are, get, are a big reason the 1% have debt. Uh, that also shouldn't be a surprise. Mortgage interest is tax deductible to a point, and the 1% pay higher marginal tax rates. The deductions are a bigger deal for richer households. No one likes to pay taxes, even if it means paying some interest on a mortgage loan. The poorest households hold less than their fair share of mortgage debt, but they hold more than their fair share of consumer debt. The bottom half of households by wealth hold almost 54% of consumer debt. 
Consumer debt includes credit cards, student loans, and car loans. That distribution isn't a surprise either. What was surprising, Josh, from this piece is that the way that they look at debt, and it appears that rich households have credit card debt, but they don't have credit card debt the way you and I do. You want to explain to everybody about that? Well, so it was interesting. It goes on to say, uh, it's based on the way the data is counted. About 7% of all consumer credit counted by the Fed includes credit balances paid in full that incur no monthly finance charges. So they're considering somebody who pays their credit card off every month as uh, somebody having debt, which I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. I, I guess you know the the credit card companies get to hold uh, hold uh, those balances and and uh, you know report it. I don't know who gains by that, but yeah, yeah, um, me, me neither. But yeah, but but that, no but that shows one thing: rich people use credit cards responsibly and gather up all those points. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier. They uh, they love using mileage. Uh, to get perks and things like that. So yeah, it's very, uh, very exciting, very exciting stuff here. So top 1%, $10 million is is uh, apparently what, what we've discovered is $10 million to be in the top 1%. They're borrowing money for credit cards. They're paying that off. And then they're borrowing money on mortgages. Now, what I've learned is as your net worth increases, your ability to borrow money at lower rates uh, also increases. So you can get cheaper money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if somebody's got a lot of cash and they want to use that probably for things like real estate, take out that debt and put it into assets instead of uh, depreciating uh, things like cars and uh, I don't know, haircuts. Well, and it's, it is funny. Uh, we do this live haircuts. We, we use this live. Don't think I didn't hear that. Uh, we just live in front of a Facebook audience and Donna says paying, paying a mortgage to save taxes is stupid, paying a dollar to save 25 cents. I agree with that, Donna, which is funny. I think that the tax part on this is overstated, Josh, for two reasons. Well, number one, with the, with the Trump uh, tax law change, uh, ton of mortgages are no longer tax deductible because, because they raised the standard deduction by so much money. Uh, that's number one. Number two is is that the richest Americans, if it's W two income, they have phase outs on their income on the deductions that they can take anyway. So a lot of those itemized deductions they're not able to get in the first place because they make too much money. So I don't think they're doing it for the tax break, like this seems to imply. But I do think they are doing it for what you're talking about. It's cheap money. So if they can get cheaper money than the average person can get because of the relationships that they have uh, for a mortgage and they could leave their money deployed earning a higher interest rate, that, Donna, is where the I, – I think that's where the bread's being buttered right there. Yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you could keep your money in the market, continue to get 5 6 7% over time and then leverage it by, by getting you know debt that's at a couple points and then use that to reinvest it in something else, getting a bunch more points, you're arbitraging your cash, right? Um, as you said earlier, when we were off air, the danger comes, and and hopefully for these folks, they're they're not uh, over leveraging over leveraging themselves right. uh, when things turn south um, and the market turns uh, negative and and real estate starts to go down. So it's uh, it's interesting. I I love the the last paragraph in this article. So the rich don't fund consumption with debt. And they don't borrow to buy depreciating assets. Those are two simple, prudent lessons for anyone learning to handle debt. Good lessons, but only if it were that easy to manage household liabilities when you're not in the upper 1%. 
I know, I know they make it seem easy, but, 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 but let's talk about a few of these because we can break that last paragraph down to a bunch of things. Absolutely. They don't, they don't have debt on cars then, yep. right? They, they don't keep credit card balances. Um, they don't, they don't take out a boat loan. Um, but they don't do depreciating assets at all. That's, that's a big thing. If you can avoid that, then even if you're not the wealthiest, if you can avoid it, I think you should ask yourself how bad you need that debt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, my favorite depreciating asset is my RV. I mean, I bought it literally the next day. It was like 30 grand less. I mean, like don't buy an RV. (laughs) They're fun. But, you know, and you get to write off the mortgage, which is why lots of people are buying RVs. No, it's not. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's scary when these things happen. You know, people think, hey, I'm going to buy a new car and bling it out and show off and look good. And, and, you know, A, nobody really cares at the end of the day. You shouldn't care at the end of the day. You know, be wise with your money, folks. Be wise. And then when you're worth $10 million, like the top 1%, you can start uh blown a couple bucks on things like that. Well, and that's and and that's where when I first started reading this, I thought there's there's a popular dude in Tennessee who talks about not taking on debt and getting rid of all your debt. And I thought at first when I read this that this piece runs counterintuitive to what Dave in Tennessee talks about. But it really doesn't because I think when you're on the on the bottom end of the spectrum, learning how to live debt-free, I think is job one to being responsible with money. And then once you get there and you know how all the levers work and you're able to get cheaper money and you have a ton of money sitting off to the side, you can then start to say, okay, how do I use somebody else's money? Like, but which is the problem I often see, and you know, coming from a, a real estate background, I don't have to tell you, a lot of people out there that shouldn't be using other people's money, using other people's money, and it gets them into even bigger trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, what's the first thing that happens when you go to college? You get a credit card. How many people know how to use one? Yeah. Close to zero, right? And what are they spending money on? Everything. Everything. Got- and and oftentimes, you know, they, they don't have the means or resources to pay it back. So now you got to pay all this back. You don't realize it. You know, I, again, this goes back. I harp on it every show, guys. I harp on it every show. We got to be teaching financial responsibility uh, back in schools. We got to teach it in middle school and high school. We have to educate the young people uh, so they know what they're getting into, especially with what's going on with, with the cost of college and higher education. Uh, so yeah, listen, uh, if you can afford it, cool. You know, but, but even if you can't afford it, only buy what you can afford. Pay your credit cards off in full because you know those. My God, what is it? Twenty five percent on credit cards, twenty five thirty percent higher. Did you see that Saturday Night Live bit? The one with Steve Martin where they're where they're doing the only buy what you could afford thing. This th- th- this uh, it, it's this new program that they have called called Don't Buy Crap You Can't Afford or something like that, and 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 Steve Martin can't understand it, like doesn't get it, and goes, "So you're saying we buy it and we put it on the credit card and then we afford it? No, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> don't buy it if you can't afford it. Oh, you're saying get a mortgage for it? No, no, no. I'm saying don't buy it. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's hard, but companies are very good at convincing us that we need it today. That's the hard thing. Right. Right. Well, and and I think the other thing is that we're we're so driven by FOMO, right? I mean, we're we're driven by watching everybody else. And so so and so just got this nice ride or so and so just bought this nice house that's 
you know, a lot bigger than your house. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I got to get a big, nice house. And, you know, just because the bank will lend you the money doesn't mean you should necessarily go and do it. That's what is, that's what led us to, to 07, 08, right? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. We look at, uh, oh, we do this live in front of a Facebook audience. Like we mentioned that earlier. Uh, Gina's here with us and says, uh, usually we don't get questions. Usually we get some great comments, but Gina says, what about rolling a credit card into a mortgage at three and a half percent? The answer, Gina, is maybe, but here's the problem. The credit card isn't the issue. It's the spending that went on the credit card. So what I see, uh, when, back when I was a financial planner, here's what I would see. People would take their credit card, put all that money into a mortgage, amortize those hamburgers you put on a credit card over 30 years where you're paying interest on them forever, and then they go run up the credit card again. The credit card isn't the problem. It's the spending. So yeah, I mean, if you're not using credit anymore, get rid of it uh, and, and roll it into a lower interest rate. However, it's too often I see people use their mortgage to fund short-term stuff, and then they go out and, and still make some bad decisions. Yeah, that's all about behavior, right? Yeah. I mean, all, all this starts with our behavior and it starts with how we look at the world. It start with, starts with how we look at other people. As Eric Williams just said, comparison is the source of all unhappiness. Just live your life. Don't worry about everyone else. You, you, you and I yesterday had a good point. Just throw it all into Ethereum. Oh, yeah. You'll you'll have $10 million. That, that guy made $10 million. Yes. And by the way, that isn't what we we said. So go back and listen to yeah, yesterday. Please show. don't do that. If you, please don't if, do that. If you missed it. Hey, uh, Josh and I are going to have our final thoughts here in just a moment. And while Josh is coming up with something incredibly clever to end the show here with, uh, let's take a minute and talk about your IRA or your solo 401k plan. What do you do when you want to invest in something different than those usual suspects offered at most brokerages? Like you want to invest in real real estate, not a REIT, but you want to put a house into your IRA or a private company or peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, or anything else allowed by the IRS. Well, you get Rocket Dollar. Making investments is easy. You simply write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. You never wait for a custodian to mail a check on your behalf. Really that simple. And best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or 401k. Open a Rocket Dollar account today and take advantage of a world of investment opportunities. You get all this for $15 a month after a one-time $360 setup fee. By the way, if you're not familiar with these alternative investment uh, platforms, $360 if you're used to Vanguard sounds like a bunch of money. If you're used to the platforms where you take real real estate and stick it into stick it into an IRA, that's nothing. It is it is so much less expensive than doing it with one of the old legacy companies. And frankly, in my opinion, they do it better. So for our Money with Friends listeners, Rocket Dollar is going to give all of us $100 off your setup fee by using Money with Friends when you head to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF. Go to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF and they'll walk you through it from there. Thanks to them for helping us out. All right, uh, Josh, it's the big moment Oh boy. You, your big spotlights on you, man. What's the oh, takeaway wow. here? I'm supposed to come up with something smart now, right? So, so, well, halfway. Meet me halfway. Right. I mean, look, for, for starters, I, I don't understand how the Fed is counting credit, uh, consumer credit uh, from, from the wealthy uh, when they're paying uh, these balances off in full. So I, to, to me, that just says that you can calculate, you can look at data 
from any direction and you can make anything look good and anything look bad. So just realize the source that you're getting information from, because I don't know, for me, Joe, I mean, you tell me that, that just, it doesn't really all add up. Uh, the fact that they're doing that. Um, yeah, I don't, there's some trick there. I don't know what it has to do with anything, but somebody has some agenda there. Yeah. There's, there's some kind of accounting, uh, magic happening, but really look, this article is all about, uh, loans and debt and borrowing, uh, so at the end of the day, you know, there's there's a time when we go out and we look at things and we say, hey, I need that. And then we pull out the credit card or we get a loan. We borrow money from mom. We borrow from whomever, from, you know, Fat Tony down the block. Uh, whoever we're borrowing from, we're getting these loans, right? There's a difference between need and want. We need food. We need shelter, right? We need clothing. There's things that we need. There's things that we want. Think about that when the time comes to borrow money, because there are ramifications from borrowing that cash. And the top 1% recognize that. And they're being wise with their money for the most part, according to the speculation in this article, right? That one, the 1% is paying in full. Uh, they're not really borrowing money unless they can get it super cheap. Um, if you have that option, cool. But if you don't have that option, be smart. Borrow when you can borrow, borrow when it's wise to borrow and pay it off as quickly as you can so you're not stuck paying interest payments for the rest of your life. Well, and mine's going to dovetail right into that, Josh, because I believe I believe that this idea of gaining control of your cash and understanding where your cash goes and the heartbeat of your cash flow is super important. And because it's taken out of many of our hands, we don't do it anymore. I mean, I use plastic for everything. My bills are automatically paid. So I don't real. I kind of got a feel, but not really have a feel on where things go. And until you're good at money management, living a cash-free, a cash-only lifestyle, I think is the way to go. But don't borrow. Don't borrow until you know exactly, A, that that's the only way to do it, and B, that um, that you know that this is an appreciating asset, not a depreciating asset, uh, which means don't, don't borrow for a car, which is tough for people to hear, right? When you're telling people don't borrow for a car, what do you mean don't borrow for a car? I, I, I got to drive. Well- I also yeah. need to uh, be responsible with my money. So um, I would live a cash lifestyle first. And then once you build that nest egg, then go use other people's money, <laughs> then get the credit card yeah. reward points. Um, because now, now it is free or, or very cheap money. I think that's a, 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 a much better strategy than frankly, the one that I used. Because I have my credit card taken away, as people that have followed me for a long time know. I have my credit card taken away 90 days into college, kids. 90 days oh, wow. into college. Yes. I'm at a military college and um, went for the American Express card, took all my buddies to, for a very expensive lunch on me. And then I bought a sweater. I'm at a military college. What am I going to do with a sweater? I have no idea. I have to wear a uniform. Was it one of those nice grandpa looking sweaters or? It was, it was, I'm going to date myself here, but it was 1987. So it looked like something Duran Duran would have worn in a video. Shoulder pads. Yes. Uh, not quite shoulder pads. I didn't have the little shoulder pad things, but I did have a little, it was purple with a cool design right around my neck. Bought it at Nordstrom, nice. paid a crap load of money. I still own it so I can remember what a dumb ass. And I you was. could rock that today and everyone would think you were super hip. I probably probably should have worn it on today's show. 
probably shouldn't have done that. But don't do that. Don't do that. I had to go to a cash-only lifestyle, Josh, to understand how my money worked, get my credit back together, get my... Frankly, I wasn't even worried about my credit. I was yeah. worried about just not paying the man so much money. So I was uh, just frugal and cheap. I should have done that. Yeah. I should have done that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Josh, you have a new podcast coming out in January. Tell me more. Oh, man. It's the Undeniably Curious podcast. So you know me from the Bigger Pockets podcast where we talk about real estate, wealth, building, uh, you know, being smart with your money, things like that. This show is absolutely nothing like that one. This is the show where I can talk about anything else that I want to talk about and where I'm going to talk about anything else that I want to talk about. We, we tackle really fun topics with really cool people. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's about living a good life, uh, being, finding happiness, uh, trying to kind of get your, get your whole world in order. And then I just really get to talk to really fun people. Haven't quite signed up Joe yet, but you know, I mean, <laughs> Joe and I were going to talk. If, you know, this is not an invitation, but if, if Joe and I were going to talk, you know, we might talk about the sweater and then dive in and talk about Duran Duran and, and, you know, why Joe got the haircuts he got over the years and why he felt influenced by all the people who influenced him to wear the clothes that he wore and, you know, why he's so sad. I get excited watching how excited you get about this, by the way, I get excited watching that because, because you are, you are pumped. I'm excited, man. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I, I didn't even realize I was going off on, on like a promo here. It, it is it is, it is, is fantastic. But until then, they can keep up with you on social media. Where do they find you? Uh, you guys can find me at, at JR Dorkin, which is me, or at UND Podcast, UndeniablyCuriousPodcast.com. Um, and uh, there you have it. Our friend Dan hanging out with us from Detroit. Dan says, can't wait for the new podcast. They miss you on Bigger Pockets, Josh. Oh, thanks, Dan. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, you're, you only have another month to wait. One month to wait. If you're, if you're listening to this, if you're watching it <laughs> a little longer than that. Kevin, uh, that's cold, man. All right. <laughs> Kevin, Joe had hair. I think that means it's time to end it. Time to wrap it up. All right, everybody. On behalf of Josh Dorkin. Joe Saul, see hi. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. Tomorrow, it's Bobby Rebell and I. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Sihai and Bobby Rebell and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.